All right, all right, all right. That's my um, Matthew McConaughey. And if he's listening, he can let me know just how bad that was. Hey, it's Mike, and welcome to the Insert Clever and Witty Name Here podcast. I have got a lot of great stuff to get to. I must, because you hear me rustling papers. And if you rustle papers, like more than two or three, got to have good stuff. Like this, and we will get to this in just a bit. Last night, 93rd Academy Awards saw viewership fall for the first time ever below 10 million people. 9.85 is the official number, which just came out minutes ago. And I know what everyone is going to say when this hits the fan later tonight and then again tomorrow. Everyone is going to say the same thing, that they know why viewership is down. The viewership is down because people are sick and tired of hearing what celebrities, what stars in Hollywood have to say about every single social event or social cause or political party on the planet. This has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with that. I know exactly why viewership is down for the Oscars, for the Grammys, for the American Music Awards, for the Tonys, any televised award show down across the board. And I know why. So we will get to that in just a second. Also want to mention this. Uh, math was never my strong suit in school, but someone's going to have to explain this to me. Potomatic, which will always be the home site for the Insert Clever and Witty Name Here podcast, unless someone makes me a better offer, <laughs> which, okay, yeah, I just threw that out there. I got this email from them with our weekly stats for the podcast, and downloads are up. Not a lot, but they're up. What was up big was number of plays, which thank you for helping me get the word out about the podcast. I appreciate that. So I saw downloads up, plays up. Well, that means our rank has to be up, right? No, no. Somehow, although we're up again in plays and downloads, we went from the 66th ranked news podcast, just the category that we fall in, to 117. I don't know how that's possible, but um, according to Potomatic, it is. So, um, again, thanks for the downloads and plays being up, and I'll see what I can do about getting us a little uh, higher rank than 117 as opposed to the 66 we had just the other week. Um, all right, so what is going on today? Well, first of all, happy Monday, for whatever that's worth. April 26th, today we celebrate Alien Day. Uh, not alien as in aliens from outer space, although kind of, sort of. It's more so about the movie series. First one came out 1979, May 25th. Ridley Scott directed it. Uh, and this is the part where I embarrassingly tell you I have never seen the original uh, Alien. And I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people have not seen most of the other Alien movies. In fact, I know they made a remake, give or take, sort of, kind of, of that original Alien movie. I never saw that, that either. I've seen bits and pieces. I wouldn't even say, though, I've seen enough bits and pieces to say I've seen the whole movie. There's a couple movies like that. Um, years ago, before we had the, all the channels that we have now, 
Um, I think when I lived in San Francisco and I would just get whatever I could get and TBS, TNT were two of the channels I got, they had a ton of movies on. So all the movies that would ever pop up on either of those two networks, I've seen a handful of movies. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but a bunch of movies that I would maybe not sit through the entire movie, but yeah, I've probably seen the whole movie in like five or six different chunks. Alien, uh, I know Sigourney Weaver's in it. I've seen the scene with her and the alien. I mean, everybody's seen that scene, whether you even know about the movie or not. But uh, never seen it. Uh, I will at some point. Um, I'm curious to see now, since it came out in 1979, I had no idea it was 1979, but I wonder how dated it is as far as how things look from a sci-fi thriller. And you know that brings out another question that pops up with movies like that. Would you consider Alien a sci-fi movie or a horror movie? Going into it without having seen you know, most of it, I would say horror, but again, I haven't seen it, so I'm probably the last one you want to ask about that. It's also National Pretzel Day. Chad, who does traffic updates for me every single morning when I do my mornings with Mike Pesto on the new My 97.5, he and I went to a Rawhide game. This must have been five years or so ago. It's been that long. Um, and they were doing this promotion where I think they gave you three innings, but they gave you this huge soft pretzel. It was, I'm not kidding, it came inside of a pizza box. It was that size of a pretzel. And the way the promotion worked is if you could finish the entire pretzel with I think it came with six little, those little small buckets of the cheese, the nacho cheese sauce. If you could finish the pretzel and the nacho cheese sauce in three innings, and I think it was three innings, maybe even just been two, that it would be free. So Chad and I took up that challenge, and as a station promotion, again, about five years or so ago, we, uh, we tried knocking it out. There was even one half inning where I think the Rawhide had like, Two pitching changes, which had the inning last even longer. As I'm saying that, you probably see where this is going. I I got nowhere close. <laughs> I I tried finishing the cheese. It was the cheese that would just. Mm. Ever felt that 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 gurgle in your tummy that tells you you whatever it is you're consuming, stop it right now. I got that gurgle, so that's about as close as I got to finishing that uh, that pretzel. Chad finished his. Uh, so I, I crown him the champ. There's no way I could have done it. But today, National Pretzel Day uh, came to mind. Also, today is National Richter Scale Day. And as I say that, and I said this on the air this morning, I hope there's no celebrating with a, a major earthquake anywhere in the world today. But I did get to thinking because of that. And one of the things that I do every morning, or at least I try to, if there's something that's noteworthy enough and I get to what we celebrate every morning on my 97.5 at 610, I'll, I'll also ask a question based on whatever it is we happen to be celebrating, at least one of the things. So what I asked this morning is, is do you have any idea, based on the Richter scale, what the world's largest recorded earthquake was since that scale became adopted? And it was not as long ago as I was thinking, I was thinking maybe something from the, the 40s or the 50s. The Richter scale came out, I think, in the mid-30s. 
1960, May 22nd, 1960, off the coast of Chile, there was a 9.5 magnitude earthquake that, because it was off the coast, led to quite a few tsunamis as well. In fact, uh, I saw the numbers here. Uh, tsunami wave killed 61 people in Hawaii, 138 people in Japan, 32 people in the Philippines. Uh, was clocked, well, was, I guess, not clocked, but estimated at speeds of about 200 miles per hour as it traveled across the Pacific Ocean. I guess they based that on when the earthquake took place and then when the tsunami actually made landfall. So it would be fairly easy to do the math on that. Getting back to math already. But uh, that that I found interesting. Again, in case you're, you want to dazzle your friends with some trivia on National Richter Scale Day today, biggest earthquake ever, 9.5 on the Richter Scale. All right, so that's, that's that as far as that's concerned. Um, something that I read this morning that I... I posted on Twitter, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, I would love it if you did, at, just a little at sign, Mike Pesto, you can find me on Twitter. This was apparently a conversation that LeVar Burton and Megan McCain had on a recent episode of The View. Um, apparently, Megan McCain asked LeVar Burton, what do you think of that decision about the cancel culture surrounding works of art or artists that are controversial. Specifically, she was asking about Dr. Seuss and the decision that Dr. Seuss Enterprises as a company made in shelving six of the books, um, not asking them to be returned or burned or anything else. They're still available in libraries, but they just said from this point on, they're not going to make a profit off of them. They're not going to sell them anymore. They didn't ask for any stores to stop selling them. They just said, we're not going to make any money off of them anymore. So in like secondhand bookstores and things like that, you'll still find them. And sure, on eBay, they went up quite a bit. I think we even talked about it a few weeks ago. I have one of the books, and to think that it happened on Mulberry Street. And I looked, and there was a depiction, a very stereotypical depiction drawn of uh, an Asian gentleman with, and I don't know what the name of it, the, the, the pointy hat, and the robe, and the having his hands folded in front of him with a bowl of rice and chopsticks. And okay, I, as someone who's not Asian, I I can see why someone may find offense with it. I didn't personally find it offensive, but I'm not the one who was being depicted. It wasn't my nationality. I have I'm half Italian, half Polish, so I I didn't have a horse in the race. But Lavar Burton. Explained it first of all. I said, "You know, it's funny you kind of bring that up because I don't know if you knew, but I just finished just earlier today doing a voiceover for a project that Dr. Seuss Enterprises is working on. So he's very familiar with the company, and I don't feel as though the answer that he gave to the question from Megan McCain is because he was trying to tow some company line. He's not an employee of Dr. Seuss Enterprises. I'm sure he'd like to work for them again. But he brought up the end since she used the term cancel culture, which I know I've mentioned this before in a previous podcast. I don't like that term at all because in every instance that, that I've seen it brought up, it's, 
a company making a business decision, and in most cases, and I think I mentioned at the time with Dr. Seuss Enterprises, and I know what happened with Hasbro as well, when they stopped producing Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head, just had Potato Head, you can you know, create your own however you like, have the foot going out of the nose or whatever you like, that when they made those decisions, stock went up. It was a business decision. And they received no fallout because the left got blamed for them making a, a business decision. But be that as it may, he brought up a term that I'm really, really hoping catches on, that he's not a big fan of the term cancel culture. What he would like to see more is, and I'm looking for the term now in the, the paper that I have. Again, I, I must have papers because I rustled them earlier. He is a bigger fan of the term consequence culture. I love that. By the way, he will be your next host, full term, um, of Jeopardy once they finish with the whole celebrity hosts. LeVar Burton, I, I, that he got, you will get my vote. I, I don't know, I don't get one, fine, but I love that idea of consequence culture. That if um, you do something that someone is finding offensive, that there is going to be a consequence to that. And they are going to either write you or get a petition started or in somehow, some way, let you know that they find it offensive. And then it's up to that company to decide how they want to handle that. It's, it's kind of like when automobiles have recalls. And they explain this whole idea, strangely enough, in the movie Fight Club. If you've ever seen it, great movie. But... Edward Norton's character um, works for some company that can institute or has a hand in instituting factory recalls. And he explained it as, again, a mathematical equation. When they find out that there is an issue with a particular automobile, they'll do the math and try to figure out, okay, with how many cars are on the road and how big this is and if someone takes us to court over this particular issue, will we lose more money doing it that way or by having a recall? And bottom line is the bottom line. So if a company thinks, and I don't know how true this is, but it seems to make sense. If a company thinks they'll lose more money with a factory recall than they would in settlements out of court for whatever the problem happens to be. They will not order the recall and just settle things out of court. And I'm talking about things that aren't exactly um, life-threatening. Um, maybe it's the, you know, the charger for your phone, and that's not working, and enough people will take them to court. So... I, I get that whole idea of, of doing it that way. And then getting back to the consequence culture thing that LeVar Burton brought up, that's how things work in the world. If, if you've got a problem with something, and yeah, how, how, how motivated are you to do something about it? Um, I, I try to instill that in my kids. 
Yeah, if you know there's something that they're upset about, well, what are you willing to do about it? They're younger now, so there's really not much they can do except express things to mommy and daddy. But yeah, I, I try to I try to live that way as well. And do I just want to bitch about it? And and if that's the extent of it, I just want to get it off my chest, and <sighs> I'm fine. Um, case in point, uh, I wasn't going to bring this up, but what the heck? It kind of got me thinking about it. You know, a while back, I was very heavily tied in with Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central California. And in fact, at one point, I was the board president after spending a few years on the board. I'm no longer um, directly associated with the organization, although I still am very interested in it doing well, specifically here in the South Valley, where I live in Kings and Tulare counties in California. Well... Um, for Earth Day last week, and because Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central California, they're spread pretty thin. They cover all of Fresno County, and Fresno itself, just the city of Fresno, has more than 500,000 people living there. You throw in Clovis and some of the other surrounding areas, there's, I'm sure, 750,000 people who live in the county of Fresno. They also cover Madera County, which is right next door. I mean, it's, yeah, it, there's a, <laughs> a hard line between the two to, to, dis, to distinguish that. Then you've got what we've referred to as the South Valley, Kings and Tulare counties, which, you know, I'm a 45, 50 minute drive away from my house to getting anywhere into Fresno. And depending on where you are in Kings County, Hanford, Lamore, it's even further away, possibly. Although you just jump on 41, if you're close to 41, you can get there that way. So for Earth Day this year, they had two events. They had one event in Madera County. They had another event in Fresno County. And there was nothing happening in Kings or Tulare counties. So I reached out to Diane Peconicum. She is the executive director of Big Brothers Big Sisters. And I just said, hey, um, yeah, I, you know, it's been a while since you may have heard from me. Um, I still do the toy drive for them every year, did this past year. I will do it once again this year. And I just said, hey, um, I, I, I couldn't help but notice that with Earth Day coming up, this was before Earth Day, I just saw some of the events coming up on their homepage that you've got an event scheduled for Earth Day in Fresno. There's another one that's scheduled for Madera County. Um, did I miss one in Kings or Tulare County? Because uh, I, I'm not seeing anything. And they explained it to me, you know, why it was. They're, they're, they're stretched thin as well. And with the pandemic still being an issue, um, they just they didn't have the resources to do it right. And uh, it still meant enough to me to, to actually say something. Uh, not cancel culture, just the consequence of the fact that they're you know, a little, little, little strapped right now. So uh, I just let them know because it meant enough to me not to just bitch about it and toss it away. I'm like, you know what? No, this is an organization I really do care about. I, I want them to know that and this is where the consequence culture comes in. There are consequences 
to making a decision to not have that event in Kings or Tulare counties. For quite a few people, and I've heard this said when I've done my toy drive, and the toy drive is held in Visalia, Tulare County, South Valley, that Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central California is a Central California organization, um, meaning it's Fresno North up to maybe Stockton. Um, and that's the perception. And it's my hope, it's my want to, to change that perception because it's one of those situations where the perception is not the reality that Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central California does serve Kings and Tulare counties. Uh, they do more high school things in Kings and Tulare counties than they do traditional matches. They have a, a program called uh, High School Bigs where it's seniors matched with, I think, freshmen. Actually, no, I think they're matched with grade schoolers. Um, and I don't think it's seniors either. It's junior and senior level high schoolers are matched with um, grade schoolers. So it's not the traditional adult matched with kid match that you typically think of. And that is one of the big aspects in the South Valley and maybe the reason why... Um, you don't see it as much as there are less traditional big brother, big sister, little brother, little sister matches going on. But, you know, be that as it may, again, just getting back to the point that it meant enough to me to reach out and say, hey, can we, you know, get the needle going in another direction here? Because I, I want to make sure that people here in the South Valley know that Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central California is a South Valley organization as well. And hopefully we'll get some things going in that regard. And when we do, I'll be certain to let you know about it, either with this podcast or on my 97.5, because we still will be doing the toy drive once again this coming uh, December. Um, something I posted excuse me, on my Facebook page, and maybe we'll get into this sometime this week. I just asked this question. If you've ever unfollowed someone on Facebook, have you later un-unfollowed them? I know the grammar's wrong, but I had some fun with it. And I was amazed, I'm picking up my phone right now, at the number of people who responded to that. Well, first of all, um, I didn't realize that you can mute someone and you could put a time on that mute. This is specifically on Facebook. So you can mute someone so you don't, see them you don't hear from them and you know what a lot of people said is what they do is uh in fact chris a former program director of mine said nope i start with a 30 day snooze a mute then unfollow then you're dead to me and he said okay that was a smidge dramatic <laughs> so uh yeah but i like that idea it's um it's two strikes and you're out um Actually, with me, I would do three. I would think I would do, if it was something that was egregious enough, I would say, ooh, all right, I, mentally I want to keep an eye on, on posts from that person for a while. Then if there's something else after that, then it's the 30-day snooze. Then after the 30-day snooze, they pop back up, and then if you see something else, then at that point you do the unfollow. I, I don't see me having as a lifetime ban, though. I see at some point, maybe a few months or so later, just, eh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. Go over to their Facebook page and see, no, actually, no, they, 
they're, they're not as as hostile as they were before. So I I'll I'll allow them back in the fold at that point. There's only one person through all of this, and by all of this, I think you know what I'm talking about. The um, the overly political or social posts that you see on Facebook specifically. I don't see it on the other platforms as much, but specifically on Facebook that um, I, I, I have unfriended only one person over the course of this, and that was for a post that they put up recently after the George, George Floyd verdict. And it was a picture of, I think, four people who have been shot and killed in altercations with police officers. And the term she used to describe those individuals was scum. I was very tempted to message her and, and, and just say, hey, um, just so you know, I, 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 I am unfriending you. I had previously unfollowed her, but that was, that was a term I, I couldn't, I, I, I can't grasp the concept of referring to any human being as scum. Uh, to say the least, posting something like that on social media for everyone that friends you or even people who don't friend you because unless you make a comment semi-private so only friends see it, anyone could come across that comment and say, what? So I, I didn't, though. I didn't message her. I just sat there and looked at her for a minute and thought, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I mean, I, I got to do it. And I unfriended them as well. Uh, only person I've done that to at this point. But I, I, it's weird to even put it this way, but I feel it would be saying something about me if I still remained Facebook friends with someone that would express that opinion. You could have whatever opinion you want, but I can have whatever friends I want on Facebook, and I choose not to have any friends that have that opinion. Um, so, you know, at... Um, something I posted on my personal Facebook page. If you've ever unfollowed someone on Facebook, have you later un-unfollowed them? Maybe it's something that I'll get into sometime later this week on my 97.5, and then again, maybe I won't. Something I am definitely going to get into tomorrow, and I'm really curious about this. I can see this being a yes with women more than it would be with men. I would imagine very few men do this, but do you have... Two wedding rings. My wife and I each do. She has her engagement ring along with the wedding band, and she had the two soldered together. And at some point, um, this will be our little secret um, for an anniversary. At some point, I want to get her another band to go on the other side of her ring. And we've talked about it. It's not going to be a huge surprise. It's something that she wants, and I know the jeweler who's going to do the work and everything so that it matches that band and it will go on the other side and have it all soldered together. So she'll have her anniversary band 
wedding band, and engagement ring, all technically one ring. But she also has another ring that she will wear to work when she's gardening. It's an exact replica of my wedding band. It's just smaller, and it fits her ring, uh, ring finger. So I would imagine, I would think, it. whenever something is your reality, you automatically think it's everybody else's reality as well. So my thinking is that most women probably have their engagement ring and wedding band together so they could be all be one piece and then they have another band that they wear when they're doing anything where there's any possibility where that thing could pop out and you know next thing you know you've got a rather expensive diamond in your garden somewhere <laughs> and it may or may not ever turn up again. What is odd, and I do get this, is guys having a second engagement ring or a second wedding ring. I have two. I have one that I got when my wife and I get married. And again, she's got a replica of that as her work ring, backup ring, whatever you want to call it. And I also have another one from the same jeweler that we were there once, and this is a, a jewelry place, the Jewelry Mart in San Francisco, if you're familiar with it at all. A uh, great place. What's odd with it is, is you need to know somebody. It's like a secret club or something, like a fight club, going back to that. You need to know somebody who has a store inside and get personally invited to go. And you actually have the paperwork to, to have the invite from them. Uh, or you have to be a business owner because things that are sold there don't have sales tax on them. So in theory, when you buy things from them, you are going to be reselling them in your store, and that's how it works. Well, my father-in-law owns a lighting store, Lighthouse Lighting and Lamps, if you're ever in Pacific Grove on Lighthouse Avenue. Uh, great store. Um, it's It's cool in that... That's what they sell. It is lighting and lamps, and that is all they have there. They can pre-order things. They can make lamps out of anything. My brother-in-law has made lamps out of deer antlers because that's what somebody wanted, so he made them a lamp out of deer antlers. <laughs> I have no idea how he did it, but that's not my thing. But it's not like you know lighting now. If you want lighting, you go to Lowe's. You go to Home Depot. Um, it's one of the main reasons I don't like big box stores because it puts stores that have specialties out of business because big box stores, they cover a little bit of everything as opposed to doing one thing really well. Lighthouse Lighting and Lamps, they do one thing very well. Well, they do many things very well, but it's all wrapped around lighting. So um, my father-in-law has that business, so we were allowed to get into the jewelry mart, and we went up there with the purpose of looking at rings, and I saw one, and Long story short, that's where we got, and that's where we'll have any other bands made, that anniversary band for my wife at some point. So, excuse me, allergy season here in the Valley. you got to love it. So I'm just you know, going to bring it up tomorrow, just wondering um, how unusual is it, for, I guess for women in particular. For men, I already know the answer. It's strange to have two wedding bands, and I do, both again from that same store. But to find out from women specifically, if uh, if you do happen to have two wedding bands and what the story behind that is, 
Um, maybe it's for the same reason that my wife has two. One is for whenever she's going to be in any situation where she thinks any damage could possibly be done to it. Um, sometimes she'll use it for work all the time. She'll have that ring on if she's doing work in the garden. Even with the gloves on, you don't want to risk it. So, <coughs> again, sorry about that. All right, so with the uh, time we have left, I want to get into this article it came out just a little while ago. This was on uh, Yahoo Entertainment News. Oscars ratings crash to all-time low. Viewership falls under 10 million for the first time. So I haven't read it specifically. I just looked at the numbers. So um, here's what it says to get it started. Last night's 93rd Academy Awards saw Netflix walk away with the most hardware overall, but the Disney Empire took the big prize, the best, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, here we go. In delayed, fast national results just released by Nielsen, the 93rd Academy Awards, Awards were watched by a mere 9.5 million with a dismal rating of 1.9 among the 18 to 49 demographic. That's the, the key demo that everyone tries to have high ratings in because those are, that's the consumer demo. People in that age range are the ones who do the bulk of the buying and spending in America. So that's, advertisers want to know what those numbers are. Same thing goes for radio, same thing goes for television. That's bad. That's Really bad. In fact, it even says that's an all-time low for Hollywood's biggest night by a huge margin. Here we go. In fact, it is a drop of over 58%. First of all, I have to correct them. It's not more than 58%. It's or it's, it's not over 58%. It's more than 58%, but that's a nitpicky thing. Um, I used to work at a newspaper a long time ago. Whenever you use the term over, you better mean that you're over something. The Balloons are flying high over the dealership. In this sense, it's a drop of more than 50%, not over 50%. In terms of audience from what the previous low of the 2020 Oscars uh, snared on February 9th last year. Yeah, that's bad. Um, I haven't seen reaction to it yet. But I am telling you, I guess you could say I'm calling my shot. Most people will say, and then most people would agree with them, that the reason why Oscar ratings were low, and if you remember when the Grammys happened not too long ago, Grammy ratings hit an all-time low. Everyone is going to say Grammy ratings are lower uh, American Music Award ratings are lower. The Oscar ratings are lower because people are sick and tired of celebrities getting up at a podium and talking about how they feel about every social issue or every political party, specifically how left-leaning Hollywood elites feel about the conservative right. <clears throat> that has nothing to do with it. That has absolutely Nothing to do why ratings are crashing. Ratings are crashing for one reason and one reason alone. Well, and it's tied in with a couple of different things. Ratings are falling across the board with award shows across the board because 
they're losing their mystique. And they're losing their mystique because of YouTube, because of Twitter, because you have instant access to your favorite celebrity right now at your fingertips. Matthew McConaughey has his own YouTube channel. Every star in Hollywood, for the most part, they have Twitter accounts that, in theory, they will post pictures and Instagram as well. This is especially true in the music industry. Almost any pop artist, I think it's a requirement at this point, has to have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook less and less. You have those platforms so your fans have instant access to you all the time. Did Burt Reynolds ever tweet anything? Did he have his own YouTube channel? No. You had one chance and one chance only every single year if you loved Burt Reynolds to see Burt Reynolds be Burt Reynolds, not the bandit, not any other characters that he plays, just to be him if you watched the Oscars. And every once in a while, if he happened to be on, you know, if we're talking about back in the day, an artist or an actor like that, if you were to sit down with Johnny Carson, that's probably another reason why late night ratings aren't as big now as they used to be years ago. Again, people will say the same things. Well, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, uh, you know, left leaning. Uh, there's nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with the accessibility of artists now. It, I mean, it's great for them. But, you know, talk about can um, consequence culture. The consequence of individual artists deciding that they want to be more accessible to their fans by having a YouTube channel, by posting on Instagram 10, 15, 20 times a day, by popping up on Twitter, um, but just talking about the things going on in their lives, by having podcasts, something I hadn't even mentioned yet. But a lot of artists have podcasts now that... They spend time talking to others, other celebrity friends of theirs. And because you have that access, a consequence of individual artists doing that is the cancel culture idea that people are mentally canceling out on award shows. That's the perfect tie-in. It kind of ties the whole thing together, doesn't it? So if anyone tells you the next few days or so that you know, they know why that's happening and it's because they're sick and tired of Hollywood elites expressing their opinions on everything that's going on in the world, that might, and I do say might, that might be their reasoning. But it's more so, again, across the board because... You don't need award shows anymore. You don't need late-night TV talk shows anymore to find out what is going on with your favorite celebrity. You jump on their YouTube channel. You jump on their Instagram. You jump on their, their Twitter. I don't know. I was going to say Snapchat, but I don't think most celebrities do the Snapchat thing. Maybe they do. I stopped doing chat, Snapchat a long time ago. But the bigger ones, again, the Instagram and the Twitter, and then podcast as well. That's why ratings are down. And because of that idea, that gets to a, like a secondary reason I, I would say that ratings are down. 
Name me off the top of your head five Hollywood stars. It's hard for me to do it. The first one that always comes to mind for me is Tom Cruise. For me, and I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan, but there's just something about him that screams star to me. Brad Pitt, I would also have in that category. Um, George Clooney, maybe not as much now as maybe a few years ago, but yeah, maybe. Now, Tom Cruise, I don't know how active he is as far as social media. I think he took a huge step back personally after jumping up and down on Oprah's couch. That, that was a moment that not many people will let him forget. And I'm sure his PR team talked with him about that. And that may have been the last time he's ever been on a show like that. But again, he is not in the norm. Uh, George Clooney is another one. You don't see a lot. But at the same time, you do. he does do more interviews than big stars did back in the day. I was talking with my mom about this earlier today, and the name that I mentioned, and I don't know why it's a name that, that popped in my head, I couldn't tell you a single movie he was ever in, was Earl Flynn. Do you think going back to the days of Earl Flynn, and I would venture to guess that you would have considered, if you were growing up in that era, that Earl Flynn was absolutely a movie star. Do you think anyone knew how to see anything from Earl Flynn outside of if he ever, and I don't even know, again, not knowing the exact era of Earl Flynn, did he ever sit down and talk to Johnny Carson? I don't know. Um, I'm sure the only time you ever got a chance to see Earl Flynn be Earl Flynn was at the Oscars, at the Academy Awards. Or if you happen to subscribe to Variety or any of the Hollywood rags that were available then, you maybe see a little blurb here and there. But that's also at a time when celebrities were held up on a pedestal. And there was no TMZ back then. And I think that's another aspect of this as well, that celebrities, stars, have been humanized um, I don't know if you remember um, Christian Bale in one of the last Batman movies he was in. It may have been the last one. I actually know. I take it back. It was the Terminator. He was in one of the Terminator movies. And there was this um, feed going around of there was some, some noise on the set, and he went off on whoever it was that was making the noise. And it, it made the rounds. I think TMZ was the first one to drop it. And... It was very polarizing. People either thought, well, you know, he's an artist. He's trying to be in the mode of that character, and he's hearing something offset that's distracting him. So, yeah, I can understand the frustration. Or, you know, what an ass to have a reaction like that and to go off the way he did. You wouldn't ever have heard anything like that from Hollywood celebrities back in the, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, all the way up through, I would say, the 70s. The 80s, things started changing with more media out there and more people interested in celebrity and us finding out more about them and knocking them off that pedestal a little bit. When you knock people off that pedestal, suddenly you're not as interested in them. You don't care if they win any awards. And I would even argue that award shows in general, 
yeah, yeah, there's a little mild curiosity with, I hope so-and-so happens to win this award. I hope this motion picture wins that award. But for the most part, I would say back in the day, people were watching those award shows because you wanted to see the stars. You wanted to see the celebrities. Um, sports is another aspect of that as well. When you know the Lakers were the Lakers, you were watching because of magic. When the Bulls were the Bulls, you were watching because of Michael Jordan. You were watching the stars. And when the Michael Jordan-Len Bulls would happen to go into Sacramento, the stadium would sell out, not because of anyone on Sacramento's team, but because of Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And you find out more about our celebrities. We knock it down off that pedestal. We're less interested. Ratings go down. So... If it gets brought up with anyone that you know, you can tell them that you heard it from Mike Pasto on the not uh, on the insert clever and witty name here podcast that ratings for award shows are down not because of celebrities sharing their opinions, not because people just want them to shut up and act or shut up and sing, but because of accessibility. That is why. There you go. Uh, I thank you. I really do for, um, <laughs> as I talk about accessibility, um, that you take me up on my offer to um, have me be a little bit more accessible to you. I've got my show every single day on my 97.5, but this gives me a chance to tell you a little bit more about things I care about and my opinions on things. And the fact that you take some time out of your, your week, your day, I appreciate it. So thanks for listening. And I promise we will do another one of these next week. In the meantime, be well, be safe, and take care of each other.